In a world where best laid plans go astray, there are two separate but equally important groups. Those who create history with their stupidity and the shit show podcast that covers them. These are their stories. Hello and welcome back to another gripping episode of Shit Show. You're joined <laughs> by myself, Gus, my co-host, Rig. Hello. Good. Uh, so we'll just move straight along. <laughs> Shit Show is a weekly podcast where we bring you and showcase the world's dumpster fires, past and present. Rig has the segments this week, and mm. I have uh, the media portion, the plat de jour, as the French would call it. Scrap, scrap, my friend. Mm. So uh, just before we dive straight into it, we've had such a good response from our call to action for sponsors last week. Yes. That we feel it's only necessary and apt that we don't exclude other nations from being able to sponsor the show. We are going worldwide. Roll the tape. Efficiency. Humorlessness. Porn involving poo. Worst. Oktoberfest. Blondes. Merkel. Pretzels. These are the foundations that the great nation of Deutschland is built on. Is your company slash brand slash not-for-profit slash tax front built on the same foundations? As a proud German company, do you embrace and encourage traits like having a stern AF face 24-7, propping up the EU and hating the French? Yeah, of course you do. So chuck us a few euros. We'll blow smoke up your ass on air for 30 secs. And we swear it's not going to the Donau Dump, Schifffahrts, Elektrizität and Hauptbetriebswerk Bau Unterbeamten Gesellschaft. If that isn't impressive enough to give us some dosh for some chat, I don't know what is. German girls come at me. <laughs> I reckon I nailed that. And that was the first, that was the first take. It was unbelievable. Uh, I, I phonetically wrote the word out before realising that <laughs> so this, bad. this was kind of the... Uh, the equivalent of the Eric the Eel conversation at the Olympics. Maybe Rig, the person who does have German heritage <laughs> and can pronounce other languages properly. Can you actually... Do we still have tape of you trying to pronounce it? Yes. Play the tape. And we swear it's not going to the Don Aldum Schiff Arzel Kreutz in Hauptbertierriebswerk Baut... Bam, single safe shaft. What the fuck is that word? It's like five fucking paragraphs long. No break. <laughs> I'm going to break this down phonetically. Oh, my God. Oh. You are <laughs> woeful. Any it, language other than, and I mean this in the narrowest way possible, Australian English, <laughs> you are awful. The, the worst part is that I can't actually speak French, <laughs> which, is, which is a horror show. Merci, Tappy Volant. <laughs> Bonjour. Je m'appelle Rig. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, that's a real snorry Enerson moment <laughs> on, sure on my end. Anyway, so we're going to dive into Trainwreck Trophy, where Riggs going to bring us the dregs of humanity that he's uncovered in the last seven days, oh, yeah. or in the last fourteen months. Yeah. It's his first crack uh, for the season. So 
as is the custom, we'll play the theme. I don't think I'll ever get sick of that. Nope. I cannot, how- I cannot wait to hear it all season. This must be like how Picasso felt when he was just <laughs> nailing it. He's like, mm, I'm doing God's work here. <laughs> That's it. We are Picasso. Sure. We're also by the people. So many differing and contradicting <laughs> brand messages. Amazing. All right. What do you got for us? Mate, train wreck number one comes out of the good old US of A. US away. US away. Had a few beers. I've had a few beers and I'm feeling pretty frisky. Gus, imagine you are, as many times I've imagined you to be, a cheerleader in an American high school. It's like all of my dreams are coming out of your mouth. (laughs) It sure is. So much hair, so little uniform. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, It's the end of season prezzo. Uh, that is Prezzo for all of our international <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and Or presentation dinner, end of, end of season award night. And you're there with your colleagues, coaches, and parents. About 100 people in total. All of a sudden... So for Gumbo. All of a sudden, your name, Kelly, which I've now chosen, is called and you head up to receive an award. Your achievement... Having the best tits on the team. Oh, what? Well done, Kelly. What? Well done, Kelly. I thought that was, those years were behind. What state's this in? In Kenosha. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, local high school coach Patty Utek gave out this award amongst many others in a similar vein. So according to a local paper, according to several parents among the 100-strong crowd, Utech made a joke that uh, the girl risked a concussion when she ran because of her enormous boobs. Oh, what? And, and Can you imagine look- being the parents there being like, I was already not stoked yeah. about the whole cheerleading thing. Oh, yeah. This has reinforced yeah, every ima- one imagine, of my problems. Imagine all the parents. Yeah. Imagine being with your parents and having to go and get that award. Oh. So creepy. And for all those arse enthusiasts uh, slash creepy pedophiles, first off, get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for you. Arse men, stay on. <laughs> <laughs> pedophiles, get out. There was a big booty award for another girl. When she received it, the coach said, we love her butt. The whole team loves her butt. See, if that was in Australia, it would sound like there was a thing that was coming after that. Oh, we yeah. love her butt. <laughs> <laughs> God love our grammatical errors. Yeah. That is gross. Uh, as well as a string bean award, which was given to the lightest and skinniest girl, which I can only imagine is doing wonders for her self-esteem at- Oh you know, 14 years old. Sandwiched in between the Arse Award and, and the, the Tits, tits award. award. That's a horror show. Yeah, it, it's it's gross. And uh, as you can imagine, the American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, um, they jumped, like to call them. J- jumped on it like casinos on land. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> the, the, the coaches have, uh, have written apology emails to the parents, but the ACLU have demanded the coach resign yeah. or, or, or they'll sue. Sure, but, but this is the weird part where it comes out. I saw saw one in the off season where uh, it was a, a like a pep rally where all of the parents um, have to have to uh, 
talk like they their kids get blindfolded. They get brought oh, up. Th- th- this already sounds <laughs> wacko. <laughs> really weird. They their kids get blindfolded. The mums get brought up on stage, um, and then <laughs> their mums get brought up on a mush, <laughs> a gruel, if you will, of highly essential nutrients. <laughs> until which point they can care for the blindfolded child. <laughs> Brought up was an incorrect use there. Uh, They get led onto the stage. Is this Bird Box? Bird Box 2? Where the kids are told uh, that uh, their crush wants to give them a kiss. Then they proceed to make out with their mums and the school cheers. What? Then they take the blindfold what? off. What? Yeah, 100%. The blindfold comes what? off. What? And uh and it's a uh, and they're like, "Oh, it's my mum." And everyone's like, "Yeah, you kissed your mum." And the mums are like, "You kissed me." And then everyone's like, "Hold on. That's America <laughs> right now." I am stunned. It's I'm the one to be bringing the train wrecks. <laughs> insane. What the hell? Was that a recent thing or is that like an ongoing thing? I, uh, that The reason I brought it up is because the headmaster that okayed it, it had apparently been going for... Of course for, it's a headmaster. It's a dude, it's isn't a dude. it? Yeah. It, it, it had been going for years. Oh, my God. And so everyone had become indoctrinated into this thing of like, yeah, it's totally normal. It's when fine. you say make just out, kiss, are we talking like your tongue mom, and kiss stuff? Your mom, or is it kiss just, your mum. Kiss just, your mum. Or is it just like a peck thing? Uh, it, looked, it looked very... Like they were elongated kisses. Oh. And you'd think that what with kids be horny, that's probably not going to escape with no tongue. But also, how there's, <sighs> I have a long, long, long list Jesus. of questions for that, and we'll deal with those in another episode. But slash therapy <laughs> for the, for this one, it's all out of that same mold. Yeah, like, and the, yeah, and the, the coach has to go. And this literally, 100%. this literally has happened in the last week. So this one's fresh. Oh my god! So I'm just like, it's 2019, and that stuff's going on. Yeah, fantastic. Number two. So look for those. Uh, who who listen to our podcast? Who are who are not in the know? The biggest thing in in American college basketball is this guy named Zion Williamson. Mm. Um, so he he plays for a university called Duke, uh, huge basketball school. Yeah, huge basketball school. Um, they reckon he'll be the next LeBron or, or Michael Jordan. So he's a huge, huge deal. Um, so Nike are the are the official uniform suppliers uh, from from head to toe over at the school there, and they took the opportunity of the huge rivalry between Duke and their crosstown rivals, the University of North Carolina. Uh, to debut a new shoe with with Zion, uh, star player, he was the, the the willing catwalk model on the Victoria's Secret show with dunking and three pointers. But you kind of get that. Yeah. Why do I feel like this isn't going to end well? Because it doesn't. It never does. We're in Trainwreck Trophy. Only one slight problem while taking the ball up the court, the shoe, and I do not mean this lightly, explodes. <laughs> And Williamson falls to the ground. Literally, the seams at the front of the shoe, so like the top of the shoe and the bottom of the shoe, tear open, and his foot comes out. The whole thing looks like a horse trying to lick its cheek. Oh. It's just like, it's just, it explodes, right? What happened? Ha- he must, has to be injured. Then. But yeah, but yeah, but wait, there's more. <laughs> this happened on the first play of the game. Oh. In the first minute. Oh, no. But wait, there's more. Williamson suffers a knee sprain as a result, doesn't play the rest of the game. But wait, there's more. (laughs) As a result, Nike stocks are sent tumbling. They get $1.1 billion of market capitalization erased. Holy shit. As people just get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, because they just saw a hand grenade explode on a guy's foot. Yeah, and they come out and they go... 
it was an isolated incident, uh, and, and you know we'll be looking to you know whatever. But like, what who cares? Are, that, what, that's not how shares what work. Are the odds right? that this happens at a nationally televised rivalry game. It was a massive deal, and it's to a star player yeah. who is projected to be he's Jesus, the, the, next, the Jesus. next Jesus. He's, he's yeah. like the Jesus of basketball, the bloody Messiah. It was crazy. I mean, look, you could say, right, that like, yeah, un- N- Nike are disappointed, right? It's like, it's horrible. They feel really bad, but somewhere... There is an eight-year-old Malaysian kid who is just really hor- He's feeling oh, pretty he's, horrible. He's he's, he's coming the team a, down. He's coming for a performance review. Yeah, Nike. He's going to lose like, his look, job. The poor bastard. <laughs> it's so rough. Exactly. After five long years with the company, <laughs> he's going to be out on his ass. Nike, benevolent employer. We think not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's train wreck number two. Train wreck number three. Look, it's fair to say that we're a bit behind the flying cars and hoverboards promised to us by the now infamous 1980s documentary Back, Back to, to the, the Future, Future 2. <laughs> Where we are at, though, is auto-braking cars. Okay? Sure. Not, they don't break. I mean, break. A-K-E. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Those two words mean really different things. They, they really do, especially when it comes to automobiles. This is the latest feature that's going to be rolled out and including, you know, in those annoying car ads where people, you know, customers are in a dealership and say shit no regular person would say. Yeah. Like, you mean all this with power steering, auto braking, power windows, cup holders? <laughs> yep. Nineteen nine ninety, drive away. It's like no one talks like that. Z- zero people ever actually discuss the price in that way either. Yeah, exactly. It's it, everyone's like, oh my God, it's almost 10K. Every Everyone shops like my dad. They go in there and they go... So they got reverse cameras. Yep. Hmm. And it's literally <laughs> repeated ad hominem. So power windows. Yep. Hmm. And it literally just goes on and on until my dad finally reaches the final. Hmm. And the car is sold. <laughs> That's a six week process. It sure is. We go to 12 dealerships yeah. before a choice is made. Yeah. No dad has ever wandered into a car yard and gone. That car seems good. And like they, yeah. it, and, buying and you know a what? car, buying your first car, yeah. with your father is a fucking ordeal, and he is still not happy with that Skoda. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in order to roll all of these out, all manners of vehicles uh, are, are undergoing testing of, of these auto brake systems, um, which, according to the videos, looks like the funnest job ever. Yeah. Right, so it's like these legends over at the. Erection-inducing Insurance Institute for Highway Safety <laughs> recently got behind the wheel of like 11 different cars um, of, of all makes and models, tested out the auto-braking system. So they put them uh, in three scenarios where the creepiest dolls imaginable, like these doll robot thingies that are oh that are going on like a, a, a predestined a weird, path. Yeah. <laughs> it's Str- literally like... auto treadmill. It's it's like the duck shooter game at a local carnival. <laughs> like they're all on like a track. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Uh, and so they suddenly pop out into the driver's path. Sure. So the system in the cars, they've got cameras in the front and, and sensors at the front um, that that first sound an alarm in the cars when they're just like, holy shit. Which sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> They sound like bloody beetroots. They're they're not fun cars to drive. 
<laughs> yeah, so no, it, it's it's not great. It's the doomsday alarm sound from the sure. iPhone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it comes over and, and it's just like, you know, beep, beep, beep. When it's like telling people, if no action is taken, then the car will take over. The car has awareness. The car will take over a la Christine yeah. in Stephen King's <laughs> novel and kill everyone in the car. Wants. No, so it, um, it takes over and it, and, and it breaks. So in the results, 10 out of 11 pass the grade. And I'm talking like, you know, Hondas, Kias, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the BMW X1. Oh, just expensive car. Plowed through these kids like it was getting points for it. Oh, like it was literally like butter combo steaks. breaker. Like it was just like <laughs> someone like did like a supercut of like all three things and like put music over the top. Tony Hawk level <laughs> scoring in the top right hand corner. It's literally insane. They hit all three dummies in all three scenarios. The video just show these robot children exploding in their pieces raining down on the car. Oh, no. It is as hilarious as it sounds, and I thoroughly, <laughs> thoroughly recommend watching it. Uh, apparently, the Beamer, and I'm not, this is quote, didn't even show sli- signs of slowing down. So it just went straight through. That's that's a bad isn't that day what, isn't at that the what office dad, isn't that what for dad, Beamer. Isn't that what dads tell you? Like, they're just like, if you see a kangaroo or a fucking wombat or a goat on the road. Don't hit the brakes. Don't hit the brake. You're you going to go a through it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're in a car. That's why we bought you this Skoda. <laughs> <laughs> we brought you. We bought you this. Brought. We bought you. We brought you up to we, go straight we, through we, children. We brought this. We brought this all the way from some factory in Romania <laughs> <laughs> for you to plow through ruse willy nilly. How did the Skoda go? I can't imagine they have auto braking yet. I just picked Skoda because it was the funniest thing to say. Oh. It was not a Skoda. Oh, I hate that. No, it, I'm sorry. It was a V-Dub Polo, and its name was Fritz, and he was a loyal and servant. And he went straight through pedestrians. He went straight <laughs> He went straight to the glue factory. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Beamer, they didn't have a comment, as you could imagine. Germ- like, for, for Germans to be, re- like, that's, that's a huge, that's cutting deep. First oh, yeah. cut is the deepest there, right? Like, they are so annoyed because they are the most efficient of all peoples. Yeah, that they also have they made an agreement not to not to lose ever again <laughs> post post war which is why the recent world cup was a real punch in the dick oh absolutely and it's just like i am half german as you know and it's one of those things where it's like i think if i was working for beamer at that at that point the australian side of me like the german part of me would be like okay i'm pretty annoyed we've gone out we haven't shown well but the australian side of me would be like well there's no fucking kids on the autobahn so <laughs> so who cares? Yeah. Anyway, that is well, train rate number three. While we have the tests. <laughs> <laughs> so that's train rate number three. So train rate number one, the best boobs and ass awards at a high school for the cheerleaders. We've got number Horror two, show. which is the exploding Nike shoe on America's biggest stage. <laughs> and we have train wreck number three, the fail to break kid destroying BMW <laughs> X1. Oh, it's it's such a toughie, mostly between whether it is more of a complete clusterfuck to have a school celebrating the ass and tits of its students publicly <laughs> or to have a luxury car company that became basically death rally <laughs> during <laughs> testing. 
I'm going with number one. Number you one. Can't, you can't look past how how much of a PR shit fest that is. Oh yeah, that is. You gross. cannot give out those awards as a coach. Congratulations, Coach Paddy Utek. You oh, have won this quit. week's train wreck trophy. Cue music. You suck! Yeah, that grab was specifically just for you, Patty. <laughs> just for you. <laughs> she, d- you do suck, Patty. Yeah, that is gross. Terrible, <laughs> terrible work. Alrighty, so uh, that means that we move from Trainwreck Trophy to One Star Reservoir. Everybody's favourite segment. Literally nobody, nobody has said that they don't like this. No one has. No, and if they do. I'm coming at him like a BMW X1. <laughs> call me no auto brake. Call me Mr. Plow. <laughs> One Star Reservoir is our segment where we present to you the uh, the best or the most scathing One Star reviews from throughout the world. And Rig has three of them for us straight after the theme music. Yeah! I want to take you to a one star. I want to take you to a one star. I want to take you to a one star. One star reservoir. Wow. That one really almost got away from me. (laughs) (laughs) I could see it. The wide-eyed expression like, (laughs) I'm just skiing towards the edge. And then all of a sudden just went, nah, ripcord. Like someone who crashed into a pole and walked out (laughs) scathe-free. How did that happen? <laughs> How did I do this? Oh, fire behind you. All right. So what do you got for us? Mate, so I'm going somewhere close to the heart for you, actually. Um, I've gone one-star concert reviews. Oh, wow. And there is a buttload of them, and so, as yeah. Paddy would say. <laughs> so there are, there are three, three specific ones. And uh, the first one... Well, I'll just jump into it and you'll obviously find out who yeah. it is. Get, get your ankles wet. They did a free concert in a park uh, by me a couple of years ago. They did a 10-minute long rendition of All Star oh. <laughs> where the lead singer made the crowd <laughs> sing only, sh- only Shooting Stars Break the Mold over and over again since no one seemed to know the actual words. He was actually getting really pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> then some chick threw up on my friend, one star. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like in the last 10 years, that's probably every Smash Mouth concert. <laughs> Just because they're short and sharp, I'm going to continue with the Smash Mouth. Go on. Saw them at a free outdoor concert in my city. They played All Star and I'm a Believer twice. Lead singer also pulled a young girl on stage and was grinding on her. Then asked her how old she was. When she said she was 16, he pushed her off the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) That is is so many shades of problem. You imagine like this 45-year-old. I am imagining right now and it's fucked. That dude, even when they're at their peak, he was like a sweaty... Gross mess. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm amazed that a 16. Are these recent reviews? Uh, it, it's with. It, I think it's all over time. I, I don't know when this was happening. I was about to say if it if it's now, uh, how does a 16 year old know Smash Mouth? <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have a lot of questions. Their parents brought them there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yikes. Uh, so here's the next one. I'm not going to tell you like because they come up in the actual uh, in the actual thing. Let me preface this with. 
I am an exceptionally easy to please person and can count on one hand how many acts out of literally hundreds I've seen where I didn't really care for. In the past year, that's a horrible sentence. That's in the in awful. the in the past year, I've had the misfortune of being dragged to his fucking sets three times. It hurts to think about. And they are all fucking dumpster fires. <laughs> he got booed off of the EDC stage. How do you piss off ravers? They are the nicest people. You know how? By pretending you're an iTunes teaser and play literally 30 seconds of each song if we're lucky to get that much. Constantly interrupting your own performance to hype up the crowd with your now we bout to turn it up. <laughs> Bitch, then why did you turn the music down? <laughs> For real, what are you doing? If he wasn't screaming in between songs, he literally had no transitions. I swear I heard him do that no- awkward 90 scratch rewind sound at least five times, and the transitions made no sense. They awkwardly cut off slash interrupted in the middle of verses. Oh, best part is DJ Khaled... <laughs> <laughs> who has never made a subtle <laughs> intro to anything. So now all of this is starting to make a shit ton of sense. Yep. Oh, best part is DJ Khaled hires a DJ to DJ for DJ Khaled. Oh, best. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you cannot call yourself a DJ if you're not even going to try to DJ. It makes <laughs> no sense. And not knowing how is no excuse. Plenty of producers have become competent DJs through the years of hard work and practice. How are you going to be the hype man for your own show? (laughs) That's so fucking stupid. And you know what? He still did all of this at Demi Lovato's concert. His last song he did was a five-second clip to a Kanye song I can't remember right now, and then made the crowd sing the next minute of it. Silent. It was so awkward. (laughs) Then he proceeded to have a fucking social media hour for the finale of his set so he could get a post for his Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, MySpace Top 8 or whatever the fuck it was he was doing. (laughs) Honest to God, I stopped paying attention and was furiously focused on my nachos and third beer and even my drunk ass couldn't bear it. As far as being a performer goes, he is as talentless as they come. He is absolutely the worst act I've ever seen and I'm not even exaggerating. I would be embarrassed if I was Demi Lovato for having that trash on tour with her. I swear to fucking God, if my tasteless friends drag me to one more of his shows, I will castrate them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's probably the the right time to announce that on next week's show, our guest is (laughs) DJ DJ (laughs) Oh my God. This dude. That doesn't surprise me. He's Uh, a living meme. Yeah, big time. It's sort of like a race between him and Pitbull as to as to who is going to get assassinated by fans first. Oh, yeah. And the only thing that's saving Pitbull is that literally everybody is wary to his tactics <laughs> of rocking up, featuring on your song, and tanking it. So no one is asking him to do that anymore. The only reason why Pitbull hasn't died yet is because he is Mr. Worldwide, like Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> People can't find him. <laughs> I thought you were about to say because he's focusing on his uh, his designer clothing and sunglasses brand, <laughs> Alex Perry. <laughs> and here's the last one, which I've saved for last because it is truly bizarre. I saw Cake. You know the band, Cake? Short yeah. skirt, long jacket? Sure. I saw the band Cake, and between sets, they spent 30 minutes trying to give away a lemon tree. Uh... They did... <laughs> They did this by having the crowd try and guess what kind of tree it was, and the acceptable answer was Maya's lemon. <laughs> it took the crowd a long time to get there. It was a real energy killer. They, 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 these, these are more from the same concert. 
Cake was by far the most bizarre concert I've been to. For us, they were giving away an apple tree and went and uh, went on a 30-minute rant about how vampires infiltrated the government <laughs> from the same <laughs> concert. They did this when I saw them too. They thought they were being super funny and then they acted all insulted when the guy who guessed correctly, it was also a lemon tree, didn't want it. He was like, what the hell am I going to do with a tree? I live in a fucking apartment. I can't plant it anywhere. <laughs> and then they asked if anyone else wanted it and no one said anything. <laughs> It was hella awkward. I saw them in a musical festival once. There was no tree giveaway, but the leader singer spent 20 minutes trying to split the crowd into two halves to sing each part of the song. He also asked if there were any Hispanics in the crowd, and then when some people went, woo, he called them liars. This is this. What is, is wrong with his band? Uh, well, when you've been around for a while and you realise that actually no one still thinks you're relevant, <laughs> you start giving away lemon trees and calling out Hispanics. <laughs> it's <laughs> woo! I'm Hispanic. No, you're not. No, you're you not. Fucking lie. <laughs> you're a fucking lemon tree. That's what you are. <laughs> no, we didn't bring any trees. Too many of them here. <laughs> So that is the uh, one star reservoir for this week, which means we move on (laughs) to the media portion, the plat de jour, if you will. And Gus, you have it this week, mate. Uh, One of these amazing dumpster fires from history. What have you got for us? All righty, mate. We are going to 1941. That's old for you. It is old for me. I'm I'm starting mature. In, uh, in it's the second. It's, it's the second most popular category in porn. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I, by, I, <laughs> on an unrelated note, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I didn't want to start with a Bukaki story, so <laughs> it is what it is. All right, Reginald James Reg Spears. <laughs> you pick the worst <laughs> and weirdest names for your stories. Gregor McGregor <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, sure. So one more time, what's that name? <laughs> Reginald James Reg Spears. Right. So Reg is obviously. I thought it was like a, another name. No, so that, it's obviously that's a his, short that's name. His nickname. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's look. He's no Squire <laughs> Sebastian Senator. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Adelaide, South Australia. Okay. Uh, big he, Reg. He grew to be over two meters tall. Big Reg. Actually, Big Reg. Big Reg. He took up javelin. <laughs> okay. Reg Spears. Of course he did. It's phenomenal. Of course he did. I oh. He joins a long list I was, of I was people like to- Usain Bolt <laughs> yeah. and Chuck Long <laughs> and da- NFL. And Dave Murder. <laughs> 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 who become their namesake. <laughs> uh, and he quickly became one of the leading javelin throwers in Australia while still a teenager. Uh, he placed third in the 1960 um, track and field, uh, Australian track and field championships, okay. and second in 61. Yep. So there's a Commonwealth Games in 1962 in Perth. He qualifies for that. He comes fifth at the Commonwealth Games, okay. which we now know is awful. <laughs> I like I say, which we now know. Back then, it must have been even worse. Oh, yeah. oh true. Actually, I, I feel because I feel like, like something tells me that 
uh, Jamaica like might have had like, not financial problems and they were not going to Perth. England went to Perth. England went to Perth. Canada went to Perth. I think it was pretty much just that though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I couldn't see India going to Perth uh, in '61. Yeah. I don't think they. I think they '62. They had other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, he then turns his <laughs> that other stuff going on. Sorry, can't make the Commonwealth Games. I uh, got some other stuff <laughs> I got to attend to. Sincerely, <laughs> India. <laughs> so his his goal then becomes making the Olympics. The next Olympics is Tokyo '64. Yep. So he's got two years, uh, and he continues to compete, but through the 1963 summer, um, his performances aren't enough to gain straight admission into the Australian Olympic team. So he then, because you've got to, you've got to get a certain qualification score. Right. So he doesn't get that through the Australian summer. Okay. So he goes to England to try and qualify through English events. Right, so just like cricketers do. Yeah, 100%. But like on the hardened javelin circuit. Yeah, I- exactly, which I assume is Welcome to the big leagues. <laughs> and and Big Reg Spears was born for javelin, as we <laughs> both know. So he's over there, he's toiling away, he's going to javelin events, there's no money in javelin, there's no money in sport in 1962. So it's... That ju- literally, you could have ended that with any year when it comes to, to javelin. javelin. Yeah. So he's he's over there and uh, he doesn't qualify okay. for the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, yeah. He's still in England, however, uh, because he's like, well, I haven't qualified, but I'm still in England. He spent all of his money already. But he's made a mate through this time uh, whose name is John McSorley. He's an English javelin athlete. Right. So this guy's what, 22 at this point? Okay. He doesn't have any money, so he moves in with John. He stays with John for about five months and gets a job at the airport because he has a wife and a daughter back in Australia. <laughs> Already? Yeah. Classic. 22. So he's got a wife and a daughter, and he wants to get he wants to get back to Australia in time for his daughter's birthday. Right. So he gets a job at the airport, and he's saving up, and he's making a uh, he's getting close to uh, to enough money. He's in a pub, and his wallet gets stolen. Okay. For some reason, he's carrying all of his money in the world <laughs> in his wallet, <laughs> which is the most twenty two year old thing I've oh, ever heard. Man, why don't what? you stuff it in your mattress like a regular person, <laughs> you absolute rookie? His, his, like, that is such my first time overseas getting rolled in uh, or just, just getting robbed with all your cash on you. Anyway, so... They, did, they didn't have the, the, the money wallets that <laughs> yeah, you, like, yeah, strapped to your bandoliers. skin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which are always advertised as, like, slash-proof, gypsy-proof. And I'm like, I don't think you can say those <laughs> things. <laughs> gypsy-proof. <laughs> and this was obviously well before... The 80s, a.k.a. the golden time of bum bags. Of, of the bum bag. Yep. So he's back to square one. He's got no money. Needs to get home. And so because he's working in the airport, he uh, discovers this uh, concept of cash on delivery where you can send something and the person at the other end pays for it. Yep. So he decides... To mail himself. So he and his friend John build a large wooden crate. (laughs) (laughs) 
What? Reg brings the idea to John, who's also a carpenter. He's a javelin carpenter. It's a common, it's a common slashy. Uh, and John is like, please don't get in a box and mail yourself. And Reg is like, I'm doing it. Are you going to help me or not? <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> and what, like, okay, I'm still trying to figure out the economics of this. Can you explain it to me? How is he meant to get money? Well, no, he just wants to get he just wants to get back to Australia. Right. Sorry. So, uh, so, I so the he, way that you had primed that, I was just like, next it's minute, a scam. he's a millionaire. No, he he just wants to get home. Right. 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 So he's like, I'll I'll ship myself home. Jesus. Um. So John builds him this box. It's five feet by three feet by two and a half feet. Right. Or in metric, one and a half meters by 0.9 metres, by 0.75 metres. Isn't he two metres tall? He's over two metres tall. <laughs> Which Did seems... There, was, there, was there a shortage of lumber? <laughs> what no, the hell? That's the biggest possible box that you can send. Oh. That's the maximum dimensions that you can send via air freight. I, oh, my God. God, <laughs> I am getting. It works like, at the airport. I'm literally imagining in my mind how this giant of a man is fitting into this box, and I'm getting like pictures of people who have been frozen in time, bo- body bodies <laughs> bodies in Vesuvius that you see that are like yeah. crumpled up. Yeah, they're kicking like, themselves in the forehead. <laughs> that is him in the box. Yeah, I, I more thought of it like at the end of a camping trip when you stuff a sleeping bag back into the sheath that it came in. <laughs> it, just pour just impossible. <laughs> just literally pour Reg into the box. Oh my god! Like he's liquid. That would um, be literally like him trying to get through a normal person doorway constantly. Oh yeah, for twenty four hours. So in the doorway. Yep, exactly. So that the the box dimensions meant that Reg had two options. It was either sit up straight with his legs almost flat and his head. Bowed down because of the, the like chin the to chest height of the roof, yeah. yeah, or lie down in the fetal position. Surely that with w- w- yeah. So John made him some straps because uh, John was concerned about how the box was going to be moved, etc. Um, and that if he was just loose in there, if like it got dropped, that he'd die. Yeah. Which I think is literally the only sane thing to this point <laughs> was to put <laughs> in, in what is thus far pure madness. Yeah. So he puts all these straps in in there, um, which I'll, sh- I'll show you this photo of the box um, so, that you, so that you get an idea of it. I'll show you at the end of the story. Uh, yeah. But none of them seem to be... Like ratchet straps that you use to like... Yeah. Like, Tie like, shit to your roof racks. Yep, exactly. Like like um like ratchet straps that have been nailed to the box. Oh my god! So that in order to get in them, uh, he had to like slither through it like a serpent, it, um, <laughs> <laughs> like an anaconda, an anaconda of of a man of that size. Sure. But he also put false ends on the box so that uh, Reg could get out, <laughs> in, in, so that he could do magic tricks. <laughs> Now you see me, now you don't. <laughs> so that for that quick mid-air show, he could pop out <laughs> and, and perform for the animals <laughs> in cargo. Do a bunch of a bunch of tricks. All right. So uh, in 
then John that saw that in certain light you could see through the box, so he put uh, he insulated it with paper so that you couldn't see it. Okay. They then labelled the box. Uh, they created it, this was a simpler time. It was, it was a, better a better time. time. <laughs> they labelled the box with a fake address in London and a fake address in uh, in, Austra- in, yeah. in Australia. But they chose to uh, chose Perth Airport because it was a smaller airport. Okay, and uh, they thought that it would mean that it was a better chance for him to escape once he got to got to the other end. So the plan was: <laughs> ship yourself, get to the other end. No one pays for the f- pays for the package because you get the fuck out of dodge. Yeah. They said on the box that it was plastic emulsion, so that no one would check inside it because plastic emulsion was basically. Just fucking garbage at that point. Yeah, right. And they've gone, no one's going to want to look inside uh, because commonly uh, packages that were supposed to have good stuff in them would just get knocked off by baggage handlers. Yeah, right. So to be like, just plastic garbage in here, definitely not a six foot four man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then they, there's a couple of interviews with these guys and this is them being interviewed now when they're 70 and talking about it, and they're still really dumb. Okay. John's John's like, well, Reg was Australian, so he figured he couldn't be done for a legal entry. And I'm like, that's not your problem here. Yeah. It's him dying. Yeah. Uh, Are they not aware of just how cold the, like, undercarriage of a plane gets? Well, that's where you're about to, about to find oh, out. Oh, God. So inside the box, Reg had two plastic bottles, one full of water, the other empty to piss in. Not sure why he didn't get two full water <laughs> bottles. <laughs> oh, Literally that the is dumbest so thing dumb. I've ever heard. All right, well, Reg, here's your water bottle, the empty one for the piss, and the full water bottle for drinking. <laughs> Good luck on your journey. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> he also he also had baked beans in the worst possible decision of all time. <laughs> Pillow, torch, blanket. Yeah. But because Reg had such a big appetite, he basically had to be starved off food for a week beforehand oh, to prep him to prep himself. Oh my god! So he's starving when he gets inside this box. So, on Saturday, October the 17th, 1964, McSorley and two friends loaded the box containing spears onto a van and drove it to the terminal at Heathrow Airport. So, what, what do you got going on Saturday, fellas? Oh, uh, nothing much. Just got me, mate. He's uh, in a coffin of sorts. <laughs> Going to mail him back to Australia. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pub after. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so so they weigh the box there and McSorley hands them the freight forms, uh, gives the box a quick pat and pisses off. <laughs> quick <laughs> pat. It's like, all right. All right, plastic all right, emulsion. Plastic. <laughs> I don't care about. Clerk, Hope you travel well. <laughs> the clerk's like, let me know when you get to the other side. <laughs> Weird. What a strange <laughs> bastard. I'm telling you, all these plastic emulsion guys are fucked in the head. <laughs> really have a love of the product. And then it says he disappeared into the airport crowd hoping for the best. Oh. So, 
the fog descends at Heathrow. <laughs> so Reg is in this box expecting for it to be about a 24-hour journey. Yeah. Fog descends. No planes are taking off. So he spends the first 24 hours in this box, which was supposed to be the whole journey, on the tarmac at Heathrow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Where he couldn't get out of the box because when he when he got there and the box was uh, sent down to freight, someone put him on a forklift and put him five stories up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> on some mega shelf. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Actually, it was probably like five, five or six meters, but it was like oh. fi- <laughs> high enough. I prefer mega shelf, <laughs> mega shelf. But it was just a scenario where he apparently uh, looked out the end of the box and could <laughs> just see a vigorous drop. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just landscape twelve miles away. <laughs> oh. So he's up there, uh, tries to sleep. Not really happening for him, what with him being a six foot something man <laughs> inside a small box. And then the next day, they come back with a forklift yeah. to grab him. And it turns out that that was the day that they decided to use trainee forklift operators. No way. So some bloke basically puts the fork through the box <gasps> without and it starts coming in and uh, and then he's like oh no <laughs> oh it's attached and so pulls it out almost rips the box off this uh, off the shelf oh my god um, then gets it underneath the box but it's not square just lifts it up and so it's like teetering on the edge, oh edge, my of, god. edge of the rail so what these guys would have seen because uh, because reg feels it's starting to fall, so throws himself against the other side of the box with all of his weight, and it miraculously writes itself onto the oh two rails. Oh, my God. But the forklift operator would have seen, oh, no, it's falling. <laughs> oh, no, it's a magic box. <laughs> <laughs> Just jumps up and, and onto inside going, you ain't seen any magic yet. <laughs> you, you wait till I get out of here. <laughs> now you see me, now you don't. I got napkins and wands. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so he gets into the into the plane um, that's leaving London, jumps out of the box once he's once he's in midair. He doesn't know what the legs of this this thing are. He just knows that he's going to Perth yeah. because they didn't used to give you freight itineraries. They'd just be like, yeah, your box will get there. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So well, still happens now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like it'll much. it'll get there. <laughs> Three days, <laughs> fifteen days later. Yeah, so. Takes off, levels off, and he's like, oh, my God, amazing. I can get out for a piss because he'd already filled his other water, water bottle up, etc. cetera. Um, so he'd already filled up the piss bottle. The piss bottle. Um, so gets out, and, and he'd eaten a, a tin of baked beans, and so he uh, was like, all right, well, I'm not going to drink more of my water bottle so that I can piss in it, so I'll just piss in this can. So, like, so, well, I've gotten rid of this, so I'm just going to drink my piss. <laughs> it got very loose very quickly. <laughs> so he he pisses in this can and then is like, oh, no, it's starting to descend and freaks out because the plane's only going to Paris from London. Oh. So it's taken off, leveled off, and it's already Come descending. Down, yeah. So he just he jumps back in the box but doesn't realise 
that he's left a full can of piss <laughs> on top of the box. Shit. Lands, and he hears the, uh, the cargo open. In come some French baggage handlers who see this can filled with, because they smell it, yeah. filled with piss on top of a box. And instead of putting two and two together and checking the box, they just assume that it's fuckwit English baggage handlers <laughs> sending them a jar of piss. That is classic, classic England-France rivalry. So these guys I hope are... you enjoy the piss <laughs> in the very patriotic can of baked beans. It makes sense, Gus. So they, uh, they blow up. Uh, then... The next flight, uh, so they, they then move him onto onto the next flight, which is Paris to Bombay. <sighs> Fuck, much longer. He gets there fine, gets loaded off the tarmac in uh, in Bombay, where it's forty degrees. <laughs> forty degrees outside. Forty degrees what Celsius. What the hell is the go in that? Yeah, plane. Yeah, exactly. So. In what I assume literally every baggage handler since the beginning of time has done, they ignore the clear directions that say this way up and put him on his fucking head. Oh, no. So he's upside down in 40-degree heat for hours. Oh. So he starts, he's like, he's dehydrating immediately. And all the blood's going to his go head. Going to his head because he's 6 foot 15. <laughs> <laughs> so he drinks all of his water. And then... <laughs> And then he's like, nah, got to take all my clothes off. So he strips off in the box, which Upside I down. can only think about. That actually is a magic contortionism. trick. contortionism. That is a magic trick. Yeah. So he manages to somehow strip down inside a small wooden box. So he's totally naked inside the box and is so close to dehydration that he makes a, pl- a pledge with himself. He goes, if this box doesn't move... In the next 600 seconds, I am getting out of it. Someone comes over when he gets to 500 seconds, picks the box up, puts it in the plane. And all he was thinking of was, please let them not find me naked and dead in this box. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no doubt the first thing that gets reported is weird sex thing happens in box on tarmac. (laughs) Rubbed himself with <laughs> urine. <laughs> Two-story human found naked in tiny dog box. <laughs> French baggage handlers questioned. Um, anyway, prank on Indians by French. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he literally was concerned that the press would have a, a field day if a mysterious naked bloke was found in a crate. <laughs> Um, so they grab him, chuck him on a plane. He was supposed to go Bombay straight to Perth, yeah. Uh, but for some reason, makes a fuel stop in Singapore. Oh God! Then after sixty three hours, <laughs> so sixty three hours has elapsed, or he stays in Singapore for sixty three hours. Uh, no, sixty three hours has elapsed. Right when he lands in Perth. Right. The only reason he knows that he's landed in Perth is because in the best Aussie fashion ever. He can hear these Aussie baggage handlers come on and start having a meltdown about the size of this fucking box. 
<laughs> this sweat. Ah, oh, fuck, mate. Look at the size of this bloody box. Mate, this can't be for us. Oi, oi, you. This isn't fucking ours, is it? <laughs> you must this, be fucking kidding yourself. This thing's big enough to hold a two-story man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get it off. Anyway, <laughs> so he gets put in this holding shed and eventually... So Australian. <laughs> Where is it? The holding <laughs> shed. <laughs> so gets put in the holding shed and uh, and that's when he finally gets out of the box for the first time since he pissed in a baked bean can and <laughs> left it for French baggage handlers like a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't drink, but he looks around in this shed and he sees a slab of beer and he's like, celebration time. So starts necking beers. Oh wow! Has a has a few. Is he still naked? He's still so nude. <laughs> Is <laughs> so, he actually? He says that when he landed uh, in Singapore, uh, that he was uh, that he was still naked, and then and then in Singapore put his clothes back on. But when right. he, once he got to Perth, uh, and he was sitting in this holding shed, it was hot as fuck again. He was like, "Time to get nude again." <laughs> so he's basically just alternating. From uh, from different stages of hypothermia and dehydration. Oh wow! So he's had a bad time, but he's also landed in Perth. He gets out, and the only clothes that he brought with him, apart from the ones that he left in, was a full suit. <laughs> which actually is kind of genius. Which in twenty-two-year-old genius. He was like, no one will suspect business, Reg. Yeah. So gets in the suit <laughs> and then he's, he's like looking around and going, all right, how am I going to get out of here? This was an era where airport security, I think, was akin to that of a modern public toilet <laughs> <laughs> because he looks in this shed and there's a window to the street. <laughs> so... <laughs> A window, a window to, the to the street. That is the name of my first album. <laughs> <laughs> a window to the street. So he uh, he pushes his small bag out of the out of the window, um, jumps out, and, and this uh, monumental man, <laughs> in dressed in a scrumpled suit, just sweating through <laughs> his polyester, horribly oh, made his, suit. His, $40 tarot cash <laughs> abomination as, <laughs> and as just pours out of this like, window. <laughs> like a puddle. He dribbles out of this holding shed. <laughs> I, I assume, <laughs> I assume like a shadow. <laughs> Literally like the fucking T-1000 oh. dribbling out of this thing. <laughs> Alex Mack style. Alex Mack, he's gone straight, straight <laughs> over the windowsill. <laughs> Anyway, so he's on hard ground or is a puddle. We're not sure at this point. But he's outside the holding shed and he's and he's uh, gone, all right, uh, time to uh, get back to Adelaide. So he just goes and stands in the middle of the street with his thumb out like a hitchhiker. No way. Not on the side of the road, goes and stands in the middle of the road. <laughs> and when someone, when someone stops, he's like, oh, good on you, mate. Yeah, thanks, and gets in. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was a simpler time. It was a better time. So through that method, gets himself uh, about a 1,000 of the 2,300 Ks that he needs. Right. That sounded so bizarre. I was like, he was a 1,000% of the way there. (laughs) (laughs) Which is to say, he was there. He was there. Um, 
they, so, so he's a third of the way. He's there. a third of the way. Uh, he s- approaches the Salvation Army, gets a bed for the night, then goes to a local church, uh, pretends that he is a devout uh, Catholic, and <laughs> convinces the um, the pastor or the father to give him uh, enough money for a train ride home. Gets on the train, rocks up in Adelaide. That is immense. But he then uh, rocks up for his daughter's birthday. He's and, and in his own words, uh, his family weren't surprised that uh, that he rocked up uh, because nobody knew where I was half the time, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so so rolls in. Uh, tells his wife this story. She's like, "You're full of shit, Reg." And <laughs> and, and then he, and then he's like, "Nah, serious." And she's like, "Oh, okay, okay, maybe they they're twenty two, twenty three, yeah. and uh, and then two weeks goes past, and he remembers that he hasn't told his mate John in England that he got back to Australia safely. John has gotten concerned, oh, and approached a journalist that he knows. Oh, this is oh wow. So this journo has then reached out to a journalist in Sydney who has flown to Adelaide, rocked up on Not in a crate. Not in a crate. <laughs> He's flown passenger, <laughs> as is the custom. <laughs> and rocks up on Reg Spears doorstep. Reg opens it and the guy says, Hello, are you Reg Spears? And Reg says Yes, who are you? And the guy goes, I'm a journalist. Can we have a chat? <laughs> this there, story... There, 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 is, there is not many more ominous sort of sentences you can hear as a person being like, I'm a journalist. Can I talk to you? Exactly. It's, a, it's, no. it's the cops ahead of that. That's about it. So this story goes ham. Every single news outlet on the planet is running it. Yeah. All, all the Commonwealth countries. Um, so he starts starts getting a fair bit of press yeah. uh, for it. He gets a telegram from <laughs> one of the Labor politicians yeah. who just says, a gallant effort by a real Aussie and here's five quid. So people start sending him Wow. Money. Then the airline finds that is, out. That is literally... Like when you see a busker in a train station, you'd be oh. like, you know what? You're actually doing okay. Good on you for trying. And you give him a thing. That is crazy. It's it's mental. It's the first GoFundMe. Exactly. Yeah. He, cra- he crowdfunded it. Uh, so then Air India find out, who is the airline that freighted him. Yeah. And he left with just piss-filled bottles and an empty crate. <laughs> They ask him to come in, which he does. Goes into the goes into head office, and they're like, "What are you going to do about this about this uh, this payment?" Because the freight charges ended up costing fifty pounds more than an actual ticket would have been on a plane. <laughs> but he's twenty two and yolo. Yeah. So goes in. They ask him, and he and he says, there's nah. a, there's <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of press who are asking me a lot of questions at the moment." Be a shame if I was to say that you had a shit airline. And they're wow. like, baller. All right, mate. No Reg, worries. Reg, Reg knows. Yeah, Reg knows what's up. Reg, Reg looked looked cash in the face and said, "None of that shit." He peaked early, Reg. He really did. Um, so he has a brief retirement to enjoy his uh, 
his Sorry, media spoils. A retirement from at 23. Yes, for, from Javelin. Right. Uh, then he returns to competitive athletics in 1966. So he takes two years off yep. to just bask in the glory of being uh, the man. Yeah. Yeah. An absolute baller. He wins the National Javelin Championship in 1967. Uh, then the next season, he comes third. Uh, he competes until 1980. Continues to win the National Javelin throw, but doesn't ever get picked in the Olympics because they are like, you're a loose unit, you mailed yourself home. <laughs> Which I think is a fair selection policy. Yeah, no, fair enough. So this is where the entire story takes a really dark turn. Okay. And I'll tell you all about that after this oh, ad. Oh, you son of a bitch. Shit Show is brought to you by... Insert company here. Ever had... Insert relatable problem. That's where... Insert company here. Comes in. Insert company here. Provides. Positive company trait number one. As well as. Positive company trait number two. So that you can. Insert happy relatable scenario. Insert company here. Insert slogan. Insert jingle. How good are sponsors? Get around them. How good is life? <laughs> and having sponsors, real sponsors that definitely aren't just us. <laughs> real life ones. Right. So, following his retirement from athletics, Spears became involved in a different sort of package movement. That what? <laughs> he had... That is not a thing that people say. He had gained a number of skills and bravado from mailing himself undetected, so decided, you know what it's time for? He became a drug smuggler. No, what? Yes, Reg Spears became a drug smuggler and in 1980 was arrested by the Australian Federal Police for conspiracy to import $1.2 million of cocaine and cannabis into Australia. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 10 years. However, as is the case when you know that you can just disappear, that's what he did. And he (sighs) fled Australia in October 1981 without serving any prison time. So he next pops up in India where he's arrested on the 5th... Where people love him, by the way. Oh, huge fans. Where he was arrested on the 5th of January 1982 on charges of being a drug courier. In India. In, in India. Which I've got to say, it takes skills to go to a place where you don't really know the language or have any connections. No, and immediately and become you a establish mule. yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're, wow. you're, you're the guy Kudos. to go to. Yep. Um, at this point, questions are being asked in Australian Parliament about his passport. This wow. news has gotten to a point where they're like, where is this bloke? He was supposed to go to... Pr- like, people know this guy. He's yeah. infamous. He escapes from India without doing his, his jail time. He's next arrested at the Bandaranaika International Airport in Sri Lanka. 84. He's travelling on a French passport under the name Patrick Claude Albert Ledoux. Wow. How is, this, is, this is actually bogan catch me if you can. It's insanity. Sri Lankan customs officials found 41 packets of drugs, including a kilo of heroin hidden in a cassette recorder in Spears' possession. Jesus. So he's found guilty on the 2nd of June, 1987, of four counts of possessing heroin, one count of possessing hash, and sentenced to death. 
death. Yes. Damn, Sri Lanka go hard. Sri Lanka was like, nah. And they saw the previous record and also uh, everybody's coming forward. India's like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> also, are pissed. when did he have time to father his daughter, Brittany? <laughs> Something you just glazed over. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it it, it is what it is. <laughs> I had to get home for a birthday. Yeah, exactly. So somehow he appeals this on the grounds of being uh, ill and requiring uh, to urgently return to Australia, wins his appeal and is extradited from Australia Yeah, instead of getting death and so ends up with a five-year prison term back in Adelaide. That's really nothing compared. So he originally got, got 10, ten and then ran. ran and then they said, all right, just five. Just five then. from death. What? You tell me how the judicial system works <laughs> because that looks like one of those Escher sketches yeah. where the bottom and the top seem to be totally unrelated. Um, all right. Then 2011, uh, Spears' daughter Jane was convicted on counts of manufacturing a controlled drug. To jail for six years uh, with a three-year non-parole period. Um, in 1987, when he was uh, when he was in Adelaide and he was um, doing his his time in there, he keeps being moved. And the chick that he was with at that point, because he's left his wife, um, who's just, she's left him, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Um, she is. She waits for him to to get out. <sighs> oh she's God. a German. Eventually, she turns herself into an Australian embassy in Germany in 1994 and gets extradited home to Germany, where they give her a six-month prison sentence. Because she was also doing drugs? She was drugs? She was doing exactly the same stuff that he was yeah, doing, right. but he just shielded her uh, from it. Right. So, anyway. Um, then in 2012... Wow. Reg Spears appears in an Adelaide court charged with cultivating and trafficking a commercial quantity of cannabis and an illegal possession of a revolver. Wow. So not many years ago, in 2013, Spears successfully contests those charges. All charges against him are dropped in the Port Adelaide Magistrates Court after prosecutors tender no evidence. And in 2014, he releases a book based on his exploits inside the box, which because it doesn't deal with any of his Crime. criminal pursuits, yeah, he gets money. He gets all yeah. of the proceeds of, and he is currently residing in the town of Port Adelaide in South wow. Australia. Wow. Reg Spears, the javelin man in a box. <laughs> Slash loose unit. Loosest unit ever. That whole story is one of those things where, like, you look back on on times like that and you're just like, you can be a husband and a father, yes, but you can still be a 22-year-old dickhead. He was, like, he was could, like, cer- certainly both. I'm so surprised. Like, you think of yourself at 22 and you're like, there is Try no way that you would have had a kid or been in a box or done any of that sort of shit. It's, it's crazy because they... Uh, so air industry experts have been interviewed about this and they're yeah. like, you'd never be able to do it now because the hold's pressurized and the temperature's 
yeah. above freezing, but at the same time you get crushed uh, yeah. and all cargo is screened by X-rays. Yeah, like it, it's just he just lived in a golden era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the only time this could possibly happen because planes were around. But X-rays weren't a thing for cargo. When did, like, I, I, it's one of those things where I don't actually know where where this is the case, but I don't know like when people did ships. You know, when people did like like you'd get a ship. Yeah, that took like six weeks. I reckon so the fifties. The fifties, they were still a viable I, mode of transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty recent. I feel like um, my dad has told me about that before. He was born in forty-seven. Mm. And, uh, about you know people actually taking the six-week. Not cruise, but like, uh, but a six-week ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my grandfather's a purser um, yeah. for for P and O, which I assume means that he hung around and stole women's handbags <laughs> on board and sold them for a profit. That is literally what that is. We are a country of convicts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the story, mate. That is that. That mate, is well done. At. Well, well done. I will never forget Reg as his daughter Brittany. <laughs> Warbles her way through Vegas. Keeps the torch alight (laughs) with the Spears name. Guys, if you want to get in touch with us, um, we are going big in terms of listener interaction. We are going to be doing a bunch of people shows this year. So we want your train wrecks. We want your one stars. We want your, even your poos in the news. I know you said no, but I want them anyway. Your story times, anything you have, send it to us. And you can get those things to us in the following ways. Uh, you can contact us on Facebook at Gus and Rig, uh, Instagram at Gus and Rig, email shitshow.au at gmail.com. That's about it. That, uh, you could also uh, mail. You could, you could <laughs> mail yourself in a crate. You could mail yourself in a crate to us. Yeah. My address is beep. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's all <laughs> we've got time for. See you next week. Thanks, God. Bye. <laughs>